Welcome to Thrive, a Paychex business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene Marks. All right, everybody, this is Gene Marks, and I'm here with Daniel Clayton. Daniel is the VP of Global Security Services and Support at Bitdefender. Daniel, first of all, thank you so much for joining me. I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you for the invitation. Sure. So um, first of all, let's talk about you and Bitdefender, and then I got I got a bunch of questions for you. But you know, let, let, let's start with Bitdefender first. Tell us a little bit about the company and, and what you do for the company. Yeah, I'd love to. So Bitdefender, surprisingly, really, for a cybersecurity company, we've been around for about 20 years. Um, we were originally founded by, uh, by Florent Alpesha, our, our CEO and founder, largely because he felt that there wasn't enough innovation being brought to the cyberspace about 20 years ago. He felt the bad guys were really innovative, were doing a lot of cool things uh, and really were beating and outpacing defenders. So he built the company to be a, a kind of in a, a voice of innovation, I guess, within, uh, within the cybersecurity world. And that's really reflected in the way that we do business today. You know, we're a 1,700 person business. Um, about 800 of that number are engineers, um, and about 400 of those are, are dedicated to research and development. So, right, that's a massive statement about how important research and development is to us. Um, and we really, you, you know, you see that in, in a lot of the things that we've embedded into our technology. A great example would be that we've been using artificial intelligence for about 12 years now, you know, way ahead of anybody else. It was, you know, it's it's kind of a standard fare for us now. and We've been working with it for a long time. Um, also worth noting, I think we've got about 285 threat researchers on staff as well who do nothing but, you know, stay in touch with the threat landscape, analyze what bad guys are doing and, and really have a, an eye on, on, on the threat landscape and how it's evolving so that we can deal with it. And, and that sort of brings me to where I fit in. You know, the, the company has prided itself on bringing innovation to um, the way that customers are able to defend themselves. And in today's threat landscape, one of the things that we're seeing is that it's very difficult for a lot of organizations to defend themselves effectively without high levels of expertise and resources. You know, the, the types of 24-7 eyes on glass operation stuff that is just really expensive and really difficult to build and maintain. So Bitdefender wanted to turn that around for our customers. So they approached me and asked if I would come to Bitdefender to build a services arm. Um, so, you know, I, I was happy to go, happy to be involved with a company with such a pedigree. And, and we've built a security operations center and now a managed detect and response service, which really enables us to, to keep on innovating for, uh, for our customers. You know what I, I, I and I do want to get into some of the threats that we're facing. But um, you know, as you know, and I think I told you before we even started this conversation, like our audience are small business owners. You know, so as a small business owner, um, I, you know, a lot of us have already moved our stuff to the cloud. So we've got our stuff managed by some managed service provider, or we're using a cloud-based application. In addition to that, if we're running uh, Windows, we're running you know iOS on our on our devices. Um, you know, they, they come with built-in security, you know, right? I mean, that's what, you know, Windows has, you know, Microsoft has their own thing. So where does Bitdefender fit into all of that if I'm a business owner? What am I buying from you? 
Yeah, sure. So um, we started off really providing that service, right? We were an AV company in, initially, mm -hmm. an anti-malware company. And then as endpoint protection over the years has evolved from, from EPP, endpoint protection, to EDR and now MDR, what you're really getting from us now is in addition to that, um, that blocking capability on the endpoint, the ability to identify the types of malware that, that bad guys are using to target um, businesses and individuals as well. Um, but also we use our AI to, to start to predict how might this malware evolve and change. Um, and we're able to block that as well. And now what we've added to that is we're able to surface a lot of information from the endpoint and put that in front of security analysts um, or security engineers, the people within the company who know the network that know what the telemetry should look like, and then they can look at the, the information that we give them and identify if anything in the, in the network is anomalous at the moment. And anomaly detection is really where everything's going at the moment. Right? You, we, we have to be able to understand what an environment should look like, and if we can do that, then we can we can start hunting down th things which are anomalous. And, and so Bitdefender really is providing that full suite of everything that comes from the endpoint. And then, of course, it's just about to bit, just about to drop as well. I don't know if your listeners are, are well versed in the idea of XDR, um, but XDR is this um, concept of adding more data streams um, to the analytics so that we can not just see what's going on on the endpoint, but see what's happening within our email, what's happening within network, cloud infrastructure, bringing everything together so that analysts can have a full picture of what's going on in the environment. Got it. And so your applications, though, they are running when you say endpoints, they're running on our local devices. So they are looking at whatever interactions are going on uh, between the users and the outside world and hopefully catching it or at least alerting before it gets into one of our managed systems, wherever they happen to be. Is that a fair assumption? Absolutely. OK. Um, as we're talking about this right now, you know, a big conflict going on between Russia and Ukraine. There is a uh, you know, there there is concern that you know in defending itself or maybe you know you know as part of an attack uh you know russia may you know you know institute some attacks on on you know cyber attacks on the us um should we be worried about that daniel and you know is there is there anything i should be thinking about that that, that it could be impacting my business yeah i you know i think there's lots of levels to be worried right i think first of all this is the first the first time we've really seen hybrid warfare get carried out, right? that combination of troops on the ground um, and then cyber disruption as well. So, um, you know, I think everybody at a strategic level is looking to see how that plays out. I'm sure the Chinese are paying a lot of attention to, uh, to how successful that is. So, you know, I think as, as, you know, lovers of democracy and living in a democratic country, there, there's reason for us to be paying attention to that. The, the, the next level I would say is that Russia is really good at this stuff, right? Mm. Russia is really good at misinformation and disinformation and then using disruption that may be going on in one area to go and achieve its goals in a, in a slightly different area. And often with Russia, you need to look in, in the other direction, right? Not the area that they're pointing us to. And, and again, these are things that at a national level and big companies are probably paying a lot of attention to at the moment. I think, you know, in terms of um, the rest of us, what we need to be focused on at the moment is that there's a lot of cyber criminals out there. There's a lot of bad stuff that is going on and they're very opportunistic. 
Um, and so what we're seeing now is a lot of bad guys who are really sort of jumping on the bandwagon and using the, um, the emotions and everything that's about everything that's happening in the Ukraine and just seeing it all as an opportunity. So we're seeing a lot of phishing, um, a lot of getting people to click on things because they want to donate to, to mm. the, the, um, the effort in the Ukraine or they want to help Ukrainian people. There's a lot of opportunity there to get people to, to go and click on things. And there's also a lot of um, opportunity to get people to download things that they shouldn't, you know, just click on this thing, download this link, um, download this link, and we'll send you some information to, to you know, to help you. Um, understand what's going on in Ukraine. So there's a lot of this kind of opportunistic phishing attacks um, that's going on at the moment. And what that does is it opens up people to things like ransomware attacks as well. So, you know, if you click on something that you shouldn't, it's very easy then for a cyber criminal to steal your credentials. And if they steal your credentials, they can access your network. And, and that really brings in uh, a whole gamut of, of badness that, uh, that we need to be able to deal with, you know, ransomware probably being the most common one. So I think that would be my, my biggest um, uh, piece of advice to, uh, to the listeners for, um, to the podcast at the moment is that be very, very wary about all of this stuff that's out there, all of these emails that you're getting or Facebook links or whatever um, that purport to be about the Ukraine or offering to give you the opportunity to help in the Ukraine, uh, and just make sure you're confident in the sources that um, that that they uh, that they go back to, and that it's actually a legitimate uh, piece of information. It's great advice. You know, it, you know, it, you really do make me think. I mean, if you're opportunistic enough and you're a hacker, um, you really can jump on whatever the news story is at the moment. Right. And and go out there fishing for people to, to click on, to donate to. to you know what I, I wrote about just a, like a week or so ago, Daniel, is that um, you've heard about. I'm sure that there is this new regulation that a lot of the payment services now, uh, you know, Venmo and PayPal and, you know, uh, Zelle, um, they're going to have to report transactions that they that they have from freelancers and independent contractors. A lot of people that would listen to this podcast, they're going to be getting these new you know 1099 reports at the end of the year because uh, they're now these payment services are required to report this information um, to the IRS. Um, and all of those services have already said we don't have complete information, so we're going to have to be going out and asking our customers for this information. And to me, that's like a, a recipe for a big problem. I, I think that in the second half of 2022, a lot of business owners, a lot of freelancers, a lot of independent contractors, a lot of people that use these payment services, they'll be getting a legitimate request from these payment services saying, hey, can you know we need to verify this information or can you submit this information so we can file these reports? But I also get the feeling that um, there's going to be a lot of opportunistic people out there, like you just mentioned, also looking for that confidential information. Um, you know, I'm assuming that this kind of stuff happens when the opportunities arise. Is that is that a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. And and there's really no there's no limit to what they will take advantage of. You know, we we saw um, in the elections, um, you know, back in one of the last elections, back in 2020, yeah, um, we saw the same thing in 2016. People getting very emotive about certain things, and then uh, bad guys, you know, using that to socially engineer and fish people. We saw the same thing with the pandemic. Now, you would think something like a global pandemic would be um, bring out the best you know, in people, would be off limits, but, <laughs> but not a bit of it. 
we saw it became one of the. Uh, uh, in fact, I think it was the the largest attack vector. Um, you know, throughout COVID, has has been um, phishing using you know pandemic related material. So yeah, absolutely, and this will be another opportunity. I don't have any doubt at all that it will be one that um, that that you know is used to target people who are going to be. Um, you who will have obligations with these regulations. Okay. So um, phishing really, I mean, our best defense is to be smarter. Maybe if you're an employer, you'll you know, get some training for your employees. You need to make sure that you can recognize these phishing emails before you just automatically click on a link. Uh, because again, if you click on something, it'll either take you to uh, a website that you know can download malware or it might cause you to download a document or download the malware directly. That can get into your system, whether it's cloud-based or not. Uh, so if you're listening to this, you know, these phishing attacks, these are going to continue on. You have to be very, very careful. Um, you mentioned about the increase in, you know, in ransomware. Um, a lot of that is being driven by working from home. So as, you know, as employers are now going back to the, you know, back opening up their offices, you know, everywhere I'm reading, people basically don't want to go back to the office. <laughs> they want to keep working from home. A lot of employers are, you know, they're, they're scrambling to come up with hybrid policies. Bottom line is we're going to have a lot more working from home and working remote people than ever before. You know, the workplace has changed. And that's, that's just a fact. So, um, you know, when we're at home, our environments are not so great when it comes to security. What advice do you have for our listeners to make sure to, to, to at least you can't guarantee it, but to minimize um, the, the, the potential threats, security threats that your, their work from home employees could be facing, which could ultimately lead back to their own company systems. Give us some of your thoughts. Yeah, so there's, there's so many things, right? And yeah. lots of levels to think of this. I, I think, um, you know, the, 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 I agree with the original statement that you made, right? This uh, remote working is, is here to stay. Right. And there's no doubt that, um, you know, some offices are opening back up again and there's going to be some sort of hybrid approach now. In some ways, that's worse. Right. In some ways, now you're dealing with um, both situations right? mm -hmm. where you've got some people behind the firewalls at the office, but then you've got, you know, on, on two or three days of the week and then they're at home on the other days. Um, there's all sorts of threats that are involved with that, all, all sorts of things that we need to worry about. Um, I think one of the biggest ones is it's very easy when people are at home to get distracted, to get tired. Um, it's maybe counterintuitive, but um, a lot of research out there points to the fact that people actually work longer hours and work harder when they're working from home. And a distracted employee is much more likely to click on something that they shouldn't click on. Mm -hmm. and, and so that makes awareness training and phishing awareness training really, really important. Like really help people to understand um, the, the, the risk of phishing, what it looks like, how they can be phished. And it's not just emails anymore. We're, we're seeing increasing examples now of, of phishing taking place over the phone or through, um, through, um, SMS, uh, text messages and these types of things. So we've smishing. really got to be on our They're called, It's called smishing with SMS, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's right. So these are things that we got to be really careful about and make sure our workforce is um, is aware of them. Um, I think wherever possible, we need to try to make sure that our workforce are using managed devices. You know, it's much easier when you're at home. You've maybe given them a laptop, a really good laptop that they can work from. But if they've got a really nice, comfortable office at home with a big desktop in there and all their speakers and webcam and everything tied up to it, they, there's a possibility that they might start working from their own computer 
and not from the managed device that you've given them. That that then takes them outside of all the protections that you've put in place, right? So um, having having all the the um, the correct controls in place to manage people's devices at home, manage their remote devices wherever possible as well. We see a lot more now of people working from their phones in the evening, sat in front of the couch as well. So these are things that we've got to be really careful of. Um, so the, I think that's the first thing, and, and a lot of that is really about awareness. Um, the next thing for me really is that we have to accept that we're never going to be 100% perfect. You know, the, the reality is that even the organizations, even big organizations that carry out fishing training um, exercises, 90% is a really good score, right? If only 10% of those phishing emails actually get clicked on, um, across the company, that's a really big score. But it's bad enough that it can take the company down because it only takes one click um, from one employee on the wrong email and it can be um, devastating, especially to a small business. Right? So making sure that we've got some something in place to, um, to deal with that type of event when it happens, right? And ideally, the right way to do this now is to have some sort of monitoring capability in place. Um, and that requires a couple of things. First of all, it means that you have to have visibility of your network. You need to know what your network looks like and you need to have something on the network that can surface information to your team, to your security team, so that they can look at what it should look like in order to then identify something which is anomalous, right? So awareness training and then some sort of monitoring and right. ideally detect and response capabilities. So if we see something that we know is bad, do we have something in place to identify it and then deal with it? Um, and these are hard things to do, especially for small businesses, but there's a lot of services out there now. You can outsource this stuff now. We really are in a position today where even small businesses can, uh, can outsource the type of capability that five years ago was really reserved for Fortune 500 companies, right? You, you can get eyes on glass now. You can get visibility into your network and a, dis and a, and a response capability for, um, you know, prices which are, which are certainly worth investing in. You know, and it's, if you, uh, and again, if you're listening to this right now, um, you know, what Daniel's saying is, is, is a hundred percent right. And th there are plenty of resources that are out there to help you. And by the way, I can, I can recommend some resources if you want. I know uh, lots of IT firms all around the country that provide these services. They cost, I mean, this is now an added cost that a business has to incur, um, to operate in 2022, because this is the environment that we're in. And that is just a fact. The other cost also that I think, Daniel, if you can comment on is um, communication with your employees. I mean, some, you know, you're, you're giving the employees the benefit to work from home, which is fine. Um, but there is a trade off there. You know, you're going to ask for something in return. You know, you're saying, OK, well, listen, you've got the, the flexibility. You're working from home. You've got your slippers on. That's all great. However, uh, we need to monitor what you're doing. Um, not that we need to track your clicks and everywhere you are or whatever, but our IT firm needs to make sure that, uh, you know, you're not downloading anything wrong, that you're, you're okay. Someone, you know, also tells me that some IT experts say that the hardware within our homes are also a risk. Um, and I'm wondering if maybe you've got some thoughts on that as well. Routers, my, you know, my Amazon device behind me, which I'm not even going to say the name because she'll get involved in this conversation. Um, you know, tell us about the risks of those, you know, of the hardware, you know, that's in a home for those work from home workers. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the, you know, you are only, any security program is only as, as strong as its weakest link, 
Um, and the moment that we take people out from behind the firewalls and the controls and the policies and procedures that we have in place within the office, where you're probably being, you know, watched by a security team of some sort, whether it's, you know, one or two people or, or, or 50 people, it doesn't matter. Someone is paying attention to it. And then you take them home and all of a sudden you're at the mercy of however um, th that family has its um, IT equipment set up. And, right. and the reality is that you know a lot of the a lot of the um, the the hardware that we're using today? You know we've learned over the last couple of years that supply chain plays a massive part, and the supply chain is, is vastly complex. And so a lot of these component parts are coming from China and Korea and you know the Asia and, and different places. And we so we don't know what's on the chip. Right? We don't know of the potential for something bad to be embedded um, within the hardware. And we've we've certainly seen it with things like um, USB devices that things that you can buy on Amazon and you can buy online that you know that they come from. Uh, they come from um, China or other countries. And when you plug them into your computer, there's already a folder with software in there. Right? Right. There's already code right. on there. And so th th these things can be doing all sorts of bad things, IoT devices that may be in, in your environment. And also you may have some, you may have hardware in your, uh, on your home network that is, that, which is from a perfectly safe source that there is no major issue with, but it's been compromised. You know, you might have a 10-year-old son who plays a lot of Fortnite or a lot of Roblox or something has clicked on something that shouldn't and your your home network is already compromised. So it's absolutely, and I, I agree with you entirely, it's it's absolutely within the, within the reasonable uh, remit of a company to require that when the company's um, data is at risk, that there is some sort of element of control over over that data. Whether that's um, and there's lots of ways to do that, right? You can you can provide um, the devices that you you expect your um, you, that you expect your employee to access data from. You can um, uh, whether that's a laptop or BYOD or phones. You can give them the opportunity to use their own device, but you put uh, some sort of management. Um, uh, software on there so that you can see what's going on and you can mm -hmm. put controls in place to stop things being downloaded or moved to personal folders or anything else. So there are ways around this which are very important. And, and I think for small businesses, it's really important to, to focus on the basics a lot of the time, right? Make sure multi-factor is, is, is being applied. Right? Multi-factor is so much more important than a lot of things I see small businesses spending money on. It's really easy in the security industry. We get focused on the latest flux capacitor, right? The, the latest shiny tool that we've seen or heard about on the radio, seen or the, on the TV or heard about on the radio, right? And a lot of those tools may be really valuable to you, but um, you know, if you're a small business with a small budget, you've really got to make sure that you spend your money in the right places um, and get as big as bang for the buck as you can in terms of protecting the company. And so I would urge you to, to put multi-factor in place long before you start looking at a, you know, a, a, a vendor selection process for an IDS or something like that. All right. I, we only have a few minutes left, but I, I did want to cover one final topic, and that's near and dear to my heart, which is travel. So, you know, I travel a lot. I have a separate laptop. Let me tell you what I do, and, and let, let me get your feedback, uh, what I'm doing right or wrong. Um, I have a, uh, a VPN software on my laptop. Um, I use TunnelBear as the name of the product. Um, so whenever I have to connect to a public Wi-Fi, like my hotel router or you know, in an airport, um, 
I do it through my VPN. So it's encrypted going back and forth. Um, and it's very inexpensive. Having said that, I try really hard not to do that. <laughs> so if I'm in an airport, I'm trying to use my, you know, I have like a Verizon, you know, phone. So I try to do, you know, for my own, you know, hotspot because that seems to be the most, you know, secure thing to do. Um, tell me, you know, tell me if that makes sense to you. And also tell me if you have any other thoughts for our listeners that do a lot of business travel to make sure they keep themselves safe and secure while they're on the road. Yeah, the, the processes that you have in place make a lot of sense. Um, we do similar things. We have different laptops that um, we will allow employees to take to different countries, depending on the level of risk that we associate with that country. Um, their level of access will be restricted based on um, based on where they're going. Right? Wow. And, and so it, it makes a lot of sense that um, that you're taking that that type of precaution. And if I, I can interrupt in you and say, I have I have that rule for like just in the U.S. The, the, based on the states that I go to. Like I have, it's always a much higher risk if you go to Florida because it's Florida. You know what I mean? Whereas if I'm in you know some other place, I'm just kidding by the way. Uh, it is. A, yeah, <laughs> I, I try. This is a riskier state in general. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, uh, carry on. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm sorry. So it, it makes a lot of sense, right? I think that the if, if I was to give gonna give a, a company advice about the way to approach the problem, right? The the first thing is that you you almost have to treat it like gambling, right? You don't gamble with things that you're not prepared to lose, is the right. first thing. And the, the second thing that I would say is that you need to assume that it's gonna be compromised, right? Assume that it's gonna be compromised and then what ask yourself the question, what happens next? Right. So if you do that, it's going to drive you to put in put in place things like encryption. Right. If my data gets stolen, if I know that my, I'm going to get compromised because I'm logging on to a, a network at the airport and someone's going to see my data needs to be encrypted. Right. And so let's make sure that everything, everything on this laptop is encrypted, that people can't see it. Let's make sure that if we're going to access another network, we've got multi-factor authentication in place. There's something that we can use as a fail safe to make sure that just being in the airport and, you know, and being on an insecure network isn't going to be enough. So, you know, I think um, with all things security, travel is a risk management proposition. You know, at the end of the day, it's a business. We have to travel in order to, you know, achieve the business objectives that we want to achieve. And the question for the security team is how do we minimize risk as much as we possibly can to make sure that that business decision isn't put in, put in the business at risk, right? And so the types of things that, that you've already talked about, making sure that you use VPN, limiting access depending on where you're going, making sure that you're assume compromise, take a zero trust approach to it, and then put in place the things that will keep you safe, even if you even if you do get compromised. So things like encryption and multi-factor are critical in those areas. Daniel Clayton is the VP of Global Security Services and Support at Bitdefender. Daniel, it's bitdefender.com, correct? Just want to make sure I get the website right. right. That is great. Hey, um, thank you very much for joining us. Great advice. Um, would love to have you back in the future as this topic is going to continue to be um, a big priority for businesses forever. So we appreciate what you're doing, the work that Bitdefender's doing, and uh, thanks for your input. I feel the same way, Gina. I appreciate what you're doing as well. I, I've been doing this a long time, and you go back five, six years, and people weren't paying attention to security. So you know, it, it makes me happy that that someone's willing to listen to us, and that that companies, uh, you know, from from mama and pop companies all the way up to the biggest companies in the world, are paying attention now. 
Well, you know, just as a final word on that, you know, you read about the big headline cases of, of companies get hacked, the Department of Defense or whatever. I know we have about 600 clients in my own practice, and I have dozens that have gotten, you know, gotten hacked that I know about. Um, and small businesses don't tend to talk about that to the media anyway, because, you know, it's embarrassing. So it is there. It's it's a big issue among small businesses, and we all have to be prepared. And man, you get attacked, you can be shut down for days or even longer. Um, you know, there there are some catastrophic stories that 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 are out there about businesses that get killed by some of the malware that's out there. So you got to be careful. So, Daniel, thank you. Appreciate your time. Thank you guys for listening. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care. This podcast is property of Paychex Incorporated 2022, all rights reserved.